Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to help you take your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Ron Huntley, and together with me today is Matt Vaughn from St. Benedict Parish, Director of Communications. Thank you, Ron. Welcome, Matt. For having me here. Thank you. And Mike Tanner, our own Divine Renovation Communication Specialist. It's good to be here. <laughs> and our very special guest, Andrew Pepper, who is the chaplain of the Halifax Mooseheads Quebec Major Junior Hockey Team. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Great to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Uh, we have a, a common passion, all four of us do, that we love sports right. and we're all Canadians, so we love hockey. So for the rest of you around the world, that is ice hockey that we're talking about, not field hockey. Right. I was recently <laughs> in the UK and they say, is it real hockey or ice hockey? I said, ice hockey is real hockey. Yeah, that is <laughs> so not a good question. I've, I've actually played field, I played field hockey for... 17 years and uh and have played against people from all over the world and you'll say like i play hockey and they're like same thing they're like yeah but do you do you skate hockey or what do you <laughs> and so it's a it's a legit thing worldwide so there you go terrific andrew i'd love to hear from you. you i know you work with hockey ministries international as a chaplain and for our listeners who might not know what hockey ministries international is why don't you share with us a little bit about who they are and what they do so hockey ministries international is a is a a sports ministry uh, organization uh, started around the late 70s, um, and it's one of those things where we uh, we run chapel programs around the world. Uh, don't have the stats right off of my head, unfortunately, no, but okay. it's it's one of those things where we have uh, chaplains in the NHL, uh, in the uh, Quebec, and in the the CHL, uh, the AHL. What's uh, the CHL? What's the AHL? C- uh, CHL is the Canadian Hockey League. Sorry, uh, the acronyms are a big thing for me. <laughs> so uh, Canadian Hockey League, which would uh, which compromises there, there's there's uh, com- yeah. There's three different leagues in it. So the WHL, which is the Western Hockey League, which is Manitoba, West in Canada, and, and some of the states. Uh, the Ontario Hockey League, which is just the province of Ontario. And then the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, which compromises Quebec and the Atlantic provinces. Love it. Um, so uh, the AHL is the American Hockey League, which is is, is the farm system for the uh, the NHL. Uh, we have it in the ECHL as well, uh, as well as NCAA. So we're, we, we cover a variety of, uh, of hockey leagues around the world. Um, um, the North American ones are the more the ones I'm 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 more familiar with. Sure, um, but it's one of those things. Uh, we 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 run chapel programs uh, with these uh, in these leagues, and we also have uh, Christian hockey camps in the in the summer, which go all over the world. Uh, my my ministry leader uh, Bruce Smith. It's one of those things where it's when I look at his, you know, you figure when it, when the season's done, okay, he's he's good. He's you know he's going to have a, a calm summer, and it's no, it actually ends up being more wild because he goes, uh, you know, he's, he's in his uh, I believe in his uh, early sixties. It's one of those things where he goes everywhere from Denver, Colorado, all the way over to northern Sweden. So it, uh, yeah. Come on. So yeah. he, Bruce, is is actually doing these hockey camps all over the world. What's the purpose of the hockey camp? To make amazing hockey players? Or what's the purpose? Uh, the, the purpose is to get, is to, uh, to to be able to speak uh, to the hockey community about faith in mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, and, and really, it's a it's a mission outreach. It's a para-ministry where we come into a, a, a world that is, is is pretty much secular. Mm-hmm. And we uh, and we just, we're just there to minister and serve these people um, in Christ's name. Uh, and Amazing. It's one, yeah, yeah. What what age groups come to these hockey camps and stuff? Uh, you're, I think you're looking at anywhere from your uh, from uh, I think it's about eight to to you know midget sort of thing. Awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, once uh, you know once guys are are, are hitting the, the the major junior circuit anyway, uh, it's one of those things where they don't have the uh, they obviously their, their time is committed. So uh, so hockey camps aren't uh, aren't as big a thing for them anymore. Right. So yeah. That's fantastic. I know that uh, Joe DePenta, who goes to St. Benedict mm-hmm. Parish, who was impacted by your ministry, by Hockey Ministries International, when yep. he was an NHL player, uh, he just started a, a hockey camp for Hockey Ministries International in Cole Harbor last year, I think. Yep. Well, it's actually two been, been two, two yeah, years two ago. Years. Yeah. Nice. So isn't that cool? It is. It's absolutely amazing. Um, Joey and I have actually known each other since high school. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been amazing to see his journey of faith. It's one of those things. I don't know where his faith was in high school. My, you know, my faith, I, you know, part of my faith journey was, you know, started in high school, but I wasn't, I don't know if I was necessarily committed. It's uh, I come from an evangelical background, yeah. I guess mm-hmm. would probably be my, uh, well, it's a mixed background, but the evangelical has been more the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the center of it. But sure. uh, it's one of those things where, you know, when I was 14 or 15, I said a prayer, but I don't know if I, I, I knew what I was doing. But I don't know that if I like my faith seemed very rigid and it was a little bit of um, but anyway, uh, Joey and I knew each other. So to see him, you know, we, we kind of, you know, I've seen him, had seen him over the past few years um, and, you know, didn't know where his faith was. And I think his faith is, is, is really blossomed over the past like three or four years. But it's mm. uh, it's uh, it's been great to see. And it's uh, it's awesome to have that connection and just to see how God's been working in his life. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think he's one of these best case scenarios for somebody uh, with uh, hockey and faith. Right. Because he's somebody he 
achieved the highest goal. He won the Stanley Cup. And now he's somebody who, after hockey, he's doing so much great work. You know, he's involved in, in Paris. He's doing this hockey camp now. So I got to think he's like, I mean, I, he's older than I am. So I kind of have to look up to him, right? But he's somebody, you know, that uh, other people should definitely look up to as well. It's like a great goal to have. Well, and when, and when you think about looking up to someone, you, you think of a lot of times, you know, our youth look at it and go, well, that guy's playing in the NHL or he's playing in the NBA or he's playing in the NFL. Faith probably has nothing to do with his life. I need to focus on this. And then for them to see like, oh, I could love Jesus and also win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> that seems like best case scenario for me. <laughs> so to have kids who actually see these role models at that uh, at that level to me is is incredible. It's, it's a great experience for them. It really helps. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about like when did chaplaincy program enter into the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League and, and what's Halifax's role been? Uh, so uh, in the, uh, the the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League uh, came here about the mid '90s, and so before that it was the AHL. So Bruce Smith was actually uh, he he was a, a, an AHL chaplain for the uh, the St. John Flames, um, and then when the AHL teams all started all of a sudden started moving out, the Quebec Major Junior League came in, and like I said, it was around the mid to late '90s, um, and the Quebec Major Junior League was 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 not open to it for the longest time. Um, really, it wasn't until 2006. Um, and it's, uh, ironically, I dated a girl at that time. Who, and, you know, um, <laughs> she kind of brought up that it's it's one of those things that, uh, you know, like she she came from out west and she's like, you know, like all the teams in the WHL have chaplains. All the really? Teams, you know, or most of the teams. I think there was one team because she'd specifically, I said, yeah. this is, I, I said, this team is my my favorite uh, WHL team. She's like, yeah, they don't have a chaplaincy program. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, was a, she was a Bible school girl. So um, anyway, but she had kind of said that the queue had been a hard, hard sell. Um, and it was in 2006. And ironically, that's when Bobby Smith uh, took over uh, as majority owner with Halifax Mooseheads. And, and Bobby has been instrumental in, in introducing uh, the Quebec major, Ju- uh, the, 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 the chapel For people program. who don't know Bobby Smith, tell us a little bit about who he is in the hockey world. So Bobby Smith is uh, is another former Stanley Cup champion uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he won in 1986. Best team ever, I might add. <laughs> I have to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could get a little heated here. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so so Bobby's uh, originally, he was born in Nova Scotia, but raised in Ottawa. I hope I'm getting his story correct. If you, you know, it, Bobby's a pretty approachable guy. So if you see him and, you know, you say, hey, I heard this from the, from the chaplain. If you fired, we'll know why. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bobby's also a very gracious guy. So that's, a, that's one of those things I lean on. Um, but yeah, but Bobby, uh, yeah, he, it's one of those things where he came, uh, you know, uh, basically, Stanley Cup champion, originally from Nova Scotia, uh, born in, uh, in North Sydney, I believe it is, um, moved to Ottawa, and then, uh, but kind of got known as like the, the the first, you know, I don't want to say the first, him and Mike McPhee were kind of the first yeah. Nova Scotians to, to really be at the center of the NHL, or, you know, be be big players in the NHL, yeah. uh, and Al McGinnis, they were kind of all in the, true, the same yeah. time, yeah. so um, anyway, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, Bobby, uh, you know, he came to, uh, he came to faith. Um, I believe, uh, kind of with at his time with the Canadians, I believe Ryan Walter had a big, big no impact way. on him. So, um, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, um, he became the, was uh, Ryan Walter, another player. Was he, uh, yes, Ryan Walter is another player for the okay. Montreal Canadiens. Um, I apologize, my yeah. Sometimes okay. I forget that okay. people are listening around the world, so it's uh, <laughs> these names don't have the same uh, same ring as say uh, Lionel Messi or, uh, or Pele or, yeah. or any of that. So yeah. um, anyway, uh, so so uh, so yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, Bobby Smith became the uh, the uh, the majority owner of the Moose Ends in 2006. Uh, Bruce kind of you know for, hey here's the time to knock on a door and I'll see if that's you know see if it opens and, and Bobby's like yeah let's let's give it a go and so anyway wonderful. so so the first team we were the first team to to, to have a hockey challenge wow. yeah, yeah first team it's interesting um, my son Christian plays in the, in the Quebec League and this used to be his jersey uh, yeah. I just got traded to the the Moncton Wildcats over Christmas and. Uh, but they didn't have a chaplaincy program. And, you know, my son growing up with a strong faith at St. Benedict Parish and in the youth groups and always really a big part of our life as a family, um, it was hard. You yeah. know, being 16 years old, away from home, and and really your faith not being supported at all. Um, because being a, a hockey player at that level is like a full-time job, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, between school and, and hockey, that's your life. Yeah. And so to not have any support in uh, on an area of your life that's so foundational important, it, it really shakes your world. It's yeah. tough. What are you seeing in terms of, of kids coming into, like these are 16-year-old kids, 17-year-old kids that are coming into the league. What are you seeing in terms of level of faith or lack thereof and... 
Yeah, I mean, if you were to say, you know, uh, my cha- I've been the chaplain with the team. This is my fifth uh, fifth season, so it's one of those things where I've seen it. Uh, you know, can run anywhere from you know, I, I think starting out, I was getting you know five. You know, usually the first chapel of the season, it can be you know, most of the team can show up, mm-hmm. but usually I'm getting anywhere from you know three to four guys out of chapel. What um, is a, a chapel? So cha- so basically, what uh, what chapel is is uh, we 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 host it usually after a practice. Uh, we you know it's, it's after practice, which is usually means it's around supper time. So we bring them food. Um, so we so we have a meal, and then then I just do a little talk for you know anywhere from fifteen to thirty minutes, um, just uh, where I mix stories of of uh, of kind of 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 athletic athletic stories, probably but personal mm-hmm. stories, and even stories from the professional world, um, stories of faith, and then uh, and then uh, we we talk you know we usually go over a, a scripture verse, and then I try to apply that to their lives, and I usually uh, you know kind of over the past couple of years I try to uh, because I'm, I, I'm I didn't grow up playing hockey. It's one of those things where, in fact, I can't even skate. So, (laughs) well, yeah, it's uh, a little side. Secrets out now. Well, yeah, uh, I had a friend chirp me the other day. He said, he said, you know, that people are like, oh, how long have you been in Chapel in the Moose? It's five years. And my buddy's like, yeah, it's not bad for a guy who can't skate, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, a little side note. I took my uh, took my my son out uh, to his, uh, his skating lessons there on Sunday. And it's one of those things where I was there in my boots because if I tried to help him skate while I'm on skates, it'd be who's helping who. Uh, so my son's four years old and it's, uh, I, I got a nice moose edge jacket. And I was like, you know what? It will look pretty, fairly pretentious if a guy who doesn't skate is sitting there with yeah. a moose edge jacket. So uh, anyway, so I, I kind of, you know, wore a little bit more of a low key jack, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, to get back to kind of the, the, the chapel, uh, you know, kind of the way chapels mm-hmm. go. Um, I usually lately have been trying to relate stories from NHLers, uh, who, who are, who are open Christians. So that would be guys like, um, Mike Fisher, who just retired from the mm-hmm. national predators, um, Lori Boschman, who, uh, who I, who I, I've, I've met once or twice before. Um, and usually I'm in contact with them once or twice a year. Um, you know, it's, it just kind of helps them. Like, even if they're like, well, yeah, that applies to track, which I, which is what I, where I, I ran, uh, what I did as a sport. Mm. Um, you know, that story applies to track. What about hockey? Well, here's this guy. You know, maybe he can right. relate to you a bit more. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, and usually, um, you know, uh, kind of again, the height of uh, chapel attendance would have probably been about two years ago, where I was getting somewhere between 15 and 20 guys. Mm-hmm. Um, this year has been uh, anywhere between five and 10 guys, which is, is still good. You know, it's I, it I, I it's funny because yeah. you know, yeah, I met with uh, met with Bobby over the. Uh, over the Christmas break there. And it's just one of those things where, you know, Bobby's a competitive guy. And I know that there's some chapel programs where it's like, you got 22 guys out. I was like, you know, how's it going? I'm like, Oh, well, you know, attendance like two years ago was, you know, like this. And then this year it's dropped off a bit. And he's like, well, still, I mean, you know what, you got guys who, who aren't necessarily professing to be Christians or church mm-hmm. kids yeah. um, who are, you know, it's, you know, if you were to, if you were to go to a high school uh, and, okay. and, you know, like we, four to five guys is basically 20, 25% of the team, you know, right. if you were to go to high school, a high school and ask if 25% of those kids are going to church, you wouldn't get that number. So yeah, that's a good point. I'm yeah. surprised yeah. by that number. Like that seems much higher than I would have guessed, which is fantastic. I think that's great. Yeah. It, it's, it's been amazing. And it's, it's, uh, you know, coming in and, and I've really grown through this. There was very much there's points where, you know, like when things started to go like, you know, first they were kind of shaky because we we're just, it was a rebuild of the chapel program. Okay. So I was a new chaplain coming in. So I was kind of a bit of the, you know, it's a rebuild the same way that happens a lot in the Quebec major junior leagues. You, you have guys move on. And so, uh, so anyway, my second year, it's, you know, I, I started to get a little bit thick headed. I'm kind of confessing. <laughs> here and all of a sudden, like, the holy spirit just kind of you know says to me it's like you know that's me right uh, and it's been absolutely amazing and i'm like oh yeah that's right so yeah uh, you gotta love those convictions and so uh so anyway it's one of those things where uh uh, it's, it's been cool to see. And it's, it's, it's really defied my expect, like what I expected going in, like going in, I expected it was one of those things that I figured the guys who were, you know, prodigies in the national hockey league mm. would kind of almost be like, would not want to talk to me. They'd be, you know, like, ah, we don't want to mm. talk to that guy. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where it was great to see, you know, it's one of those things to, for them to interact with you. Mm. Um, you know, uh, there's guys who it's the, you know, the, the first player that went interacted with me actually was a guy who's a, who's an NHL prospect. And he'd kind of just, uh, just kind of came up and said, you know, he's first like, Hey, um, I, I got to keep these guys in and image sure. just because, yeah. no, no, course, just because, uh, you know, we, we respect guys faith journey. That is a journey. Mm-hmm. And some of them, it's, they, they want a private thing, but you know, it was, uh, one of the NHL guys who came up to me and, and the other thing I expected to be, okay. Like I expect the, you know, just culturally, we have these perceptions of, you know, what people think of, of, of Christianity and religion and, mm-hmm. and, and God. And, and so I figured, you know, the American players would probably be more open to it. Mm-hmm. Maritimes would probably be uh, mixed. Um, Quebec, I figured there wouldn't be open to it and European, I didn't figure it would be open to it. 
Okay. And, I, and I found that those those stereotypes have just been just been brought down. That those guys are wow. not not even just willing to interact with me, but you know they show up to chapel. They're you know mm. they find it interesting that sort of thing there. So um, so yeah, so it's been great to see just the way God God's work there. Um, it's one of those things. I, I mean, I think what's encouraging for me, um, you know, if you if you were to say, you know, how many of these guys, you know. Are, are Christians. Um, I, there was a point where my first two years, where I, would, I would literally kind of have a bit of a, a Q&A session because I'm going like, listen, I'm, you know, at that point I was in my mid-30s. I'm like, you know, I'm in my mid-30s. You guys are in your mid-teens to, to 20. Um, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm reaching you guys. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of the guys like, you know, so like how many of you go to church? And like, wouldn't raise their hand. And they're like, one guy's like, I, I think I went Catholic. I don't know. What's the, who's the ones that cross themselves? <laughs> <laughs> right? and, and then it's one of those things where another guy was just like, you know, like, uh, I went to Sunday school as a kid. I, I think, is Lutheran a thing? Is that it? Yeah, so, right. so, so, so that's the level of, of just yeah. disconnection from church. Yeah. Um, and it's a, and actually it's funny cause, uh, cause one of the players kind of came up to me at the start of the season and he's like, listen, me and this other guy, like we're, we're not religious by any means, but we really like chapel. We really, it really speaks mm-hmm. to us and we really find we can relate to it. So to me, that's amazing. Um, I, I look at it as a ministry, you know, I, I don't know if there'll ever be a point where you'll see all these guys coming to faith. Like you'll see, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what are they called when it's, uh, can't think of the word right now, but I don't think it'll be, you know, it, it's one of those things where I'll be sitting there praying, praying for guys as they're accepting Jesus in yes. their life necessarily. But mm. the way I see it is the first step for a lot of them. Mm. And, and, I, and I just trust the Holy Spirit that he'll work in, in, in a good way and that he's working in their lives as we speak. Well, Andrew, as you say that, I think to myself, just Joe DePenta's story. Of, yeah. You know, Hockey Ministries International played a big role and it was a teammate mm. who he saw his character was unflappable and his decisions were not consistent with the decisions of his teammates yes. in terms of how they spent their extracurricular activity, we'll say. Yeah. And 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 this guy wouldn't budge. And yeah. Joe really, he, he looked up to him, but he couldn't understand him. It didn't make sense to him because Joe says in his story, I, I my parents went to church, I went to church, but this guy lived faith. There's a difference yeah, between knowing Jesus and just being able to go to church. And, you know, when he talked about coming to St. Benedict, it's really has reconnected him because for him, he knew he was Catholic yeah. and he was connected with all these other Christians, which was helpful and supported his faith journey. But when he found a church that was familiar to him, that was alive in faith and bringing others to faith, he said changed everything. And so for us as local churches, yeah. uh, so many churches see sport as uh, the enemy. Yeah. No, the church would be full if it wasn't for hockey. The church would be full if it wasn't for soccer. Like we consider these other options enemies, and I understand it. Yeah. Because before there wasn't, you couldn't play hockey on a Sunday morning. Yeah. But that's not our culture anymore, and and so thankfully we have people like you working on the behind the scenes with these kids. And churches have to be great. So if they ever do come to a church. Yeah, it won't be this horrible experience. Absolutely. Well, it's one of those things. It's funny because uh, about three or four years ago, we had a, a conference uh, for the hockey chaplains, and there was a, a kind of an older lady, and and, and it was kind of, uh, I guess, finished off with a faith and family night. And so there was this lady kind of came up to us and said, you know, I'm glad you guys are doing what you're doing because I see the the rinks are packed and the churches are empty, and it just it really disappoints <laughs> me. And, and I remember I I really appreciated this lady's heart, but at the same time, I'm thinking to myself like. It's not hockey players and people who don't go to church. It's not their job to, for for them to come to us. It's our job to come to them. And I'm going, you know, like you know, to me, this is just a huge opportunity. Um, and, and and you know, I think it was a, a, about six months later. I ended up talking with this chaplain when the uh, the CIS champion champion. Uh, What's CIS? Like? CIS is uh, the Canadian uh, Canadian uh, university sport. Yeah, right, yeah. university sport. Okay. Um, it was CIAU back in the yeah, day. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It might be U Sports now too. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's well. That's how they, yeah. they're. Their, uh, their hashtag is on Twitter and yeah, that sort right, of thing there. Um, okay. But I was talking with a guy named Rod Elm and it's one of those things where he'd, you know, he'd been a chaplain for I think about 20 years. He worked for uh, uh, Athletes in Action, which is another right. another yeah. ministry organization. Uh, but what he had talked about was he had said that, uh, you know, there's a point where he had these guys who, who, who came out to chapel and when he was with the, uh, with the Saskatchewan Huskies with their hockey program. Uh, and it's one of those things where, you know, he's talking to one of the guys and the guy was like, you know, like, I really miss chapel. And he's like, well, uh, his, his thought is just, you know, his thought was, hey, why, you know, well, wouldn't you go to church? Like, you don't need chapel anymore. Church is kind of what what replaces it. And they're like, but yeah, it's not the same. So right. it's one of those things. So, 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 uh, 
So it's, yeah, it ended up being one of those things where they ended up meeting for chapels outside of, you know, later on, mm-hmm. um, they ended up meeting for chapels just, and, you know, it was like five or 10 of them. And so it's one of those things where I, I think, you know, obviously we want corporate worship. Obviously we want the, you know, the mm-hmm. church on the hill, but we're, we're in a post-Christian society Amen. and we, we almost have to meet the same way the, the church did in the book of Acts, 100%. which is in these, which is in these in houses and in rinks and in locker rooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was a, a not so much locker rooms, but there's places in an arena, yeah. um, one of those things the past two years I've been really blessed that the me, uh, that the Mooseheads have got this new uh, f- practice facility over in Dartmouth mm-hmm. and it's it's state of the art it's basically like like the uh, like the NHL like it's one of those things where now I'm now I'm talking in a in a media room where there's you know I can play YouTube videos but to me when they were practicing at the the, the Scotia Bank Center it's one of those things where there's points where we'd there's a conference room uh, the Voyager room that's kind of down the hall that's where we'd used to meet when that door was open but the other times it's one of those things where we'd be just pulling back a curtain where they're storing their chairs and just set a few of them up. And so I'm sitting there with my video, like basically my iPad showing these videos and got a little portable speaker. Um, but to me, it's like, I feel very blessed with this practice facility. But to me, the what I love, what you know, there is times where I'm just like, I miss the grit and the authenticity <laughs> of what went on kind of in the bowels of an arena, right? Like where you're sitting there and, you know, you're, you're wondering if a security guard's going to get you out. I mean, that's, you know, because I mean, they don't necessarily know there's a chapel program, right? They just see, right. you know, like, just... Just what are they around. doing over there? So exactly. The yeah. we, we, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of the evangelical experiential tools that we have to bring people uh, to the experience of Jesus. And then we talk about the idea that, okay, once you've got them interested, whatever you bring them to, it has to match that. Yeah. And so if we're, if we're having this experience where you have young men sitting together, talking about their faith and being teammates in a community, and then they come into a church where there's no teammates yeah. and there's no community and they're not feeling that yeah. you walk away. Yeah. You don't hang out yeah. when that, when that, when that thing isn't the same. And I think it's so interesting that you talk about the idea of, but church isn't like chapel. And it's like, why, why not? Mm. Well, why, why are we not having that, that sense of community that, that, that brings us together yeah. uh, when we come into the doors on Sunday? Yeah. You know, well, we have, we, we yeah. feel that it too, when we, the, I'm thinking, I'm just hearing that. It's so funny. It's so affirming for, the whole alpha to connect groups thing that we talk about yeah. with uh, at St. Benedict and at other divine renovation parishes, because, you know, people go through alpha, they have this experience, they go, Oh, this is what church is like. This is great. And if you just throw them back into a Sunday experience and it's not the same and it can't be the same, because it's not the same format. Uh, you know, people are like, Oh, there's a disappointment or they're like, Oh, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And I just had my connect group last night. It was about, I think 18 people. And it was that small church experience. It was exactly like what you said, going back to the early days of the church. Yeah. And that's what gave people life. And it's just really affirming that it's like, it's not like this idea that we made up and we're like, I think this works. It's no, it works a hundred percent. We're hearing it in that story you told with the, with that young guy saying, no, I want to have the chapel one of the same. I'm seeing lots of people, lots of young people too, yeah. uh, who feel the exact same way. It's, well, just, it's cool to hear it. It's not one or the other. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what we right. say. Like uh, in our tradition as Roman Catholics, the mass is the highest form of prayer. Mm-hmm. Like it's so beautiful, but it doesn't make sense if you don't love Jesus yeah. and aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it's a, it's a terrible assumption to, to, to think that that's the first entry point for somebody coming out of a chapel program and doesn't know if he's Catholic or Lutheran. Like, I mean... <laughs> Mass isn't it? Like just this morning, I go to a men's leadership gym and the gym stands for God, you and me. And, uh, you know, new guy there. He's a professional football player. And and it's just a bunch of guys together, giving a talk, having small group discussion, singing praise songs and praying together. And that probably feels a lot more like a chapel program or, or then it would a Sunday experience. And so it's not one or the other, yeah. it's one and the other. And I think yeah. if, if as leaders in the church, we can start to innovate yeah. and start to think of things, particularly, like I say, in our Catholic tradition, outside of the Holy Mass, it doesn't yeah. take away from the Mass, yeah. but there needs to be other entry points yeah. so we can bring people along. Absolutely. I think one of those things that it really comes, the, the church has, we have to be self-aware. We have to be aware that we're now in a pro- post-Christian society. Mm-hmm. And, and I look at, uh, you know, I'll give you a bit of my story. So, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, again, said a prayer when I was 15. I think this is where I really got this concept of being saved by grace and not works. Okay. Uh, you know, but I walked away from my faith, got to university, and all of a sudden my Christian friends were, you know, they we we had kind of separated. And it's one of those yeah. things that I was, you know, I was a partier and that sort of thing there. I love going down, you know, living the university mm-hmm. lifestyle. Uh, and I mean, the first time I, you know, basically it was a, it was a conversation. Uh, I, I worked at Toys R Us at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where there was 
Christians who were very like pushy with their faith. And I'd come in hungover and they'd be like, you know, like, and, you know, I'd be singing Metallica. I remember one guy in particular saying, you know, like, you know, like Metallica's of the devil. And I'm just kind of like, you know, and I, and I wasn't a, a Satanist or anything, but it was like <laughs> rebellious kind of threw the devil horns at him. In a way, there's basically, it was, you know, basically a gesture of like, yeah, you're not going to tell me what to do and you're not going right. to sit there self-righteously over, over me. Uh, and it was a friend who basically um, was, again, open about his faith. He never never one of those things pretended to be someone else, but it was a conversation with him on my last day at Toys R Us. And he encouraged me to go to a, a church out in Coal Harbor called Hillside Wesleyan. Mm. Um, uh, and it's one of those things where I remember going there and it was funny. I, I meant to go, you know, it was one point I'm like, I'm going to be there this week, Nathan. I ended up going out and, and getting drunk and, and not, yeah. not making it. And eventually they hit a point where it's like, I went out and I was like, okay, I'm sober enough to go to church. And so I ended up basically going and I mean, I drove over and it's one of those things where I was, you know, hung over and walked in. And I remember just kind of walking in and I'd had, uh, you know, I'd gone to a, an independent Baptist church in my teen years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden I saw people with their hands in the air and there's a lot of the, 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 the weird nuances that, that we don't always realize as Christians. Uh, and so it's one of those things where I remember thinking like, Oh, here we go again. And it was one of those things, God, I think, just used, there was one person, one familiar face there when I went to this church, because even my friend, uh, friend who invited me out, he was playing in the worship band. And so I just sat beside him. Um, But yeah, I remember how just weird, like not even so much weird, it's like, I know what I'm getting into and this still seems weird. And I think it's one of those things where we just, we need to make sure, I mean, we want people to worship the way they, they want to worship. But at the same time, we, we have to be aware that, you know, that, that corporate gathering is weird for people who don't know the tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, how do how do how do the the players how do they approach you? Like, what, what kinds of things have you seen? Like, are they timid? Like, do they reach out to you when they're down? When they're going through a slump? Like, what what happens? Talk to us a little bit about the ins and outs of yeah. what you do and how you're present to people. Uh, I, I feel it's that's one of those. It's a very it can be a very nuanced approach that I'm still trying to figure out because hockey players there, there still I think is this mentality in hockey about you suck it up, you deal with it, you don't be emotionally right. available. I'm, I'm glad to see that kind of um, you know seems to be, you know, Mike Babcock, uh, Bell, Bell, let's talk. He's very open about, you know, helping Austin Matthews. Like to me, it was amazing to hear him recognize that when Austin Matthews was hurt, that it's like, he needs to, he needs to have community when he's hurt. He can't, if he gets isolated, that's where your mind just starts racing and, and automatically goes to the negative. Um, but I find it's one of those things where you have to be nuanced. You don't want to be pushy on the players because then they won't want to talk to you and it'll, you know, it'll, it'll create a lot of, a lot of tension. Uh, at the same time, to me, my approach is to be available. Um, it's one of those things where I do a lot of times have to approach players, but you have to be very aware of, of social cues. So it's one of those things where there's guys who love talking to you. There's guys who, you know, will tell me, you know, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Um, I, I kind of was talking to, to you guys a little bit before the podcast about, mm-hmm. there was a guy who reached out to me about chapel. And my last, my last chapel was, was I, I talked on mental health and I talked about anxiety and I was open about actually some of my anxiety mm-hmm. issues and, and, and kind of the, you know, uh, what I'd gone through. Um, and that authenticity, I think allowed him to go like, listen, you know what? That really spoke to me. And to me, it was about, um, it wasn't just about that long-term anxiety. It's also even about that short-term anxiety. And yeah. I preach from, uh, from Philippians four, uh, six and seven, and just this whole, whole fact of knowing like, listen, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. We don't always understand it. So we go through these trials and we don't know what's going on, but it's one of those things where, you know, you should have peace in that. And actually I finished this off, uh, sharing Lori Boschman's story about how he, uh, he had had anxiety in his early career when he wasn't a Christian. And it was a, a player named Ron Ellis who basically, uh, you know, you talk about Joey's teammate, basically Ron Ellis was, was Boschman, uh, Bosch's teammate. And it's one of those things where he just saw this, this way that he lived out his life and this calm. And it was one of those things where, where Ron, when he was approached, just said, listen, I, I had that because of Jesus. And so it's, uh, so it wasn't long after that, that, uh, Lori went to chapel and was like, I want what Ron has there. And so Isn't anyway, interesting? yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, and, and to me, um, so, so for me, it's, I try to kind of approach those th- things that relate to them. Um, I, I do try to be, again, be open with players. There's players who, you know, they might, you know, after a loss, I, I pretty much won't go near the locker room unless I really have to. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, uh, you know, guys just don't want to talk to you. It can create tension. The coaches don't want to see you. Uh, it's just one of those things where you get it. Like, listen, I'll give those guys their space. Um, you know, there is the odd time where I have to kind of yeah. break that rule, but, uh, but anyway, um, but it's one of those things where I just, you know, usually kind of after the game, I'll just come up and talk to them um, and yeah, just have a conversation with them. I think the biggest thing um, for me is that these guys, hockey is their life. Um, and it's, and I tried to, to get away from that. Originally it was one of those things where I felt like I have to be the, the perfect fan who knows all their stats and this sort of thing there. And I, and I think it's one of those things like, listen, they have enough fans, you know, they have the media on them. They have enough fans who, who know their stats, who know them as hockey players. You know, to me, it's, you know, how's your family? How's your bill with parents? How are, you know, how's school going? 
You know, what's, you know, and, and to me, I love hearing those stories. Um, you know, there's guys where it's, you know, I, I, you know, one of my, one of the things that I do for, for my leisure time is I go hunting and it's one of those things where there's, there's points for players when you, you, you know, you can talk about hunting. It's amazing. Cause it's just the whole, it can be this really great conversation and, and it opens them up and that way they, you know, when they do have something going on, they're more likely to reach out to you. And that's, again, I just try to be available to the guys. That's, that's kind of what I think the key is, is just this being available, not being pushy. Um, to me, it's, you know, to me, my thought is, listen, at chapel, you're going to hear about Jesus. Uh, if you're not at chapel, I'm, I'm, you know, unless you want to bring it up, it's, you know, it's, this is just a, you control the conversation. So, yeah. It's interesting. You know, you said something that, you know, these players, hockey is their life. And I would say, I would say, I'm not so sure about that because that's the culture. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be your life. Here's the truth. It's actually not. There might be two or three players on any team and I'm talking professional hockey as well, where that's the truth. It's not the truth. Yeah. But that's the culture that, that, that hockey tries to create. And that's why, you know, you talk about don't go near the dressing room after a loss. Well, do you know what? That is just a facade that they create as part of hockey culture. Um, because you're not supposed to be happy. You're not supposed to smile. You're supposed to be down on yourself. It's the culture that they build right into that yeah. sport. Yeah. And it's really not helpful. No, and it's not healthy. It's not real. And I don't think it's helpful for these athletes because mm. if you can't handle loss, you're going to have to grow up sooner or later. Absolutely. And so it's interesting, the different cultures that, that take place in sport. And we try to make sport a false idol. Absolutely. It's a false God. Yeah. And, and people know that in their hearts. Yep. And so, you know, I hope there's people listening that, yeah. that play sports. It's like, put it in perspective, people. It's a game. Yeah. And it's a game that you might be able to make a living at and that you're probably really excited about. But there's more to life than hockey. There's more to life than sports. And we all know that. And I think it's really refreshing when you get somebody like a Mike Babcock, who's the now the coach of the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who used to coach Team Canada at different points. But I remember, to your point, with, with Bell Canada or Bell Let's Talk, it's yeah. a whole national program focused on talking about mental illness. And he was asked one time, uh, or he brought in a psychologist to talk about mental health. And the media were really surprised. Why would you do that? These are the best athletes in Canada. Yeah. You know, why would you do that? He said, we'll do the math. If one in four people have struggled with mental illness, I have five people on my team yeah. that are dealing with this. And if I want to win championships, then people have to be half happy and healthy. Yeah. And, and don't you think that spirituality is a part of some people's lives? And if it is, wouldn't you want to address it? Absolutely. Well, and actually, that's one of those things that I, I, I approach in this talk is that um, the, the Canadian, health men, the Canadian Mental Health Commission talks about spirituality being an important part of, of, of overall wellness. So mm-hmm. it does, you know, add that component in there, which in this day and age is a good thing because a lot of people, you know, don't want to hear that. We have a more mm-hmm. secular society and, mm-hmm. you know, spirituality can be a difficult uh, subject to approach. Um, it, it's funny you talked about, about the fact that these guys make it their lives. And I try to enforce, and I'm not trying to be discouraging to them, but the reality is I, I usually tell them what there's what the stats are of a player in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey mm. League making the making the NHL, and I believe it's I believe it's either three to five a three to five percent chance if you play in the Quebec Major Junior League that you'll play in the NHL, and then in the NHL the average career only lasts five and a half years. Five and a half years is a lot is a very short period of time to dedicate your life to. I know for these guys they're anywhere between you know sixteen and twenty years old, and it might seem like a long time, but the reality is that is a very short period of time. So if you start when you're twenty and your career ends at twenty five, you know they're not not all going to be Yarmir Yager. They're not all even going to be like a Sidney Crosby who's going to have a ten or fifteen year career. It's one of those things that they need to know that they have that that they are worth so much more than their ability to play hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, they're you know I think one day I actually refer to it as their ability to shoot vulcanized rubber at a big match, <laughs> you know, so, you know, when you look at it that way, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty petty. It's not the biggest. Well, that, that idea of connecting our, our identity, our, our soul yes. identity to sport is so interesting to me. I, I didn't play hockey about 10 years ago. I actually started skating and now I play in a, a rec beginner hockey league. Yeah. So there's still hope for you. you. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> but I, I did play high school football and uh, blew my knee out before college, but had a high school teammate who went on to have a, a highly successful, very surprising football career. Yeah. Uh, three years in the NFL and then a lengthy record setting career as an offensive lineman in the CFL. Um, He ended up playing football for 15 years professionally uh, and a couple years ago retired. And I had, I had talked with him quite a bit over the years and we had never once talked about faith. Everything was football and you, you know, I'd followed him on Twitter and that's where we kind of talked about stuff. And that's where you and I actually sort of met and, and it, it, it was all about football. 
and he retired two or three years ago. And the first thing he knew that I was a stay at home dad with, with my kids and he had twin boys. And the first thing he said is like, I don't know what to do now. Like I, I, I have no idea what to do now. And about six months ago, his feed now alternates between, uh, you know, here's who got signed by that team and here's his teammate and Jesus. Um, and, and I'm seeing such a, a positive shift in, in his online and I've chatted with him a little bit, but you know, that identity, you end the point where you're like, like his career as a professional football player yeah. was supposed to last, last 1.5 years. Yeah. That's how long your career is supposed to be. Um, and, and you talk about people who are, you know, do they, what do they love? Um, there's a, a local restaurateur, uh, Corey Urquhart, yeah. uh, Corey was a second round draft pick. Uh, went on to have a brief AHL career and then an, an okay overseas career. And then all of a sudden realized, I don't love hockey anymore. And, and I think I loved hockey because I was so good at it. Yeah. But I don't love it anymore. And then he had to find something new. And, you know, for him, it was opening this restaurant that's this really healthy restaurant that, you know, helps build this community. But mm-hmm. finding something because sports doesn't last forever, you know, and, and what are you going to do when it ends? Contact. Well, any sport, you're right. But yeah. those high contact sports, they're violent. Hockey's violent. But here's the thing too. You know, if the average career is five and a half years, they probably started when they were five. Absolutely. Like my yeah. son started playing hockey when he was five. He's 20 now. So he's been at it 15 years. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time. And then if they go on to play in the NHL or professional hockey at one level or another, they've actually been at it yeah. a long time. Most mm-hmm. people don't start working when they're five, but, <laughs> but hockey players do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's one of those things too. I mean, now hockey, it's, it's not one of those things, that, you know, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, it's one of those things, you played hockey in the winter to pass the time, you played baseball in the summer to pass the time. <laughs> yeah. And now it's one of those things where it's like, you got to go in this hockey spring league and it's there's all these different things that basically build your personality around this one game. And again, um, and there's parents, so many, I mean, even as I become a dad, it's been very hard for me. I've realized like, it is. It could be easy for me to try to live vicariously through my son Max, mm-hmm. especially you know, especially my son or, or my daughter mm-hmm. Suri. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's like I don't want to be. I don't want my my son to say I don't love my dad and I hate hockey because mm-hmm. both of the, you know th- th- that was something I didn't like in my life. And to me, it's one of those things where um, to me, it's I, I've just realized that it's like if, if my son if he if he enjoys hockey, hey, I'm willing to commit whatever it takes. But the day that he goes, you know, listen, hockey's not my thing. Cool, bud. That's all good. You know, right. so yeah, and that's yeah. it. So his parents can take it pretty serious. Any sport, right? Or yeah, even yeah. dance or music. Absolutely. You yeah. know, and so how do we love our kids and and, yeah. and not project on them? And and that's a tough balance. I mean, yeah. it's 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 tricky for people. I've seen people go off the. I'd always say, I remember uh, you have uh, Barrett Decisions jersey on. I know his dad and yeah. Christian played with him, and it was a wonderful. Christian loved Dean uh, Barrett's dad as a coach. Absolutely loved him. And I remember the first parent meeting he had with a parent because he played in the NHL and played professional hockey. And he said, all right, guys, I know I've forgotten more about hockey than you guys will ever know. He's talking to the parents. <laughs> he said, so leave the coaching to me, would you? Don't be coaching mm-hmm. them in the car. Don't be coaching them at home and, and don't be coaching them from the bleachers. Uh, I'm the coach, not you. And then he said, three things you can tell your kids. Work hard, have fun, and don't rip the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, my, my son just started playing this year and uh, – it, it's been a balance for us. My, my son is is um, having his first communion this year. Hockey practice is Sunday morning. And so we've, we've had to say like, bud, we're not going to practice today because we're headed off to church. Mm. And that and, and some days we do do hockey and we don't do church. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's been a hard balance for us. But we've we've really tried to. One of the things that I that I love about it is that we've been able to have him enjoy both those things. He, he loves the days that we go to church and, and he enjoys that and he's excited about it. And I think that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be either or. You, you can involve it in their life rather than saying like, all right, you got to make a choice right now. Yeah. Jesus or Gretzky. Yeah. Like mm, which, which one of those two things <laughs> well, do you want to do? Well, it's interesting you say that, Mike, because we Christians always played in the top teams the whole life, soccer and, yeah. and hockey. And eventually you had to choose. But I remember one particular year I was coaching soccer and uh, – one of the one of the players' dads just was nominated the the Adam AAA coach, like so he got the role, and that's a big deal, yep. right? When mm-hmm. you're in hockey, and and so he approached me at the rink, or sorry, at the soccer field one day, and he said, "Hey, Ron, don't know if you heard or not, but I've been given the AAA team. I knew where he's going." Yeah, and I said, "Oh yeah, that's great. Congratulations." And he said, "You know, there's a there's a chance that Christian might be able to make that team." I'm thinking, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, okay, cool, yeah. 
Well, uh, our home games are on Sunday. Uh, we have, or our away games or home games are on Sundays. I'm like, hey, that's great. Yeah. He's uh, and so he's waiting for me to bite, and I wasn't biting. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, "Well, uh, I'm bringing it up because I need to know where your commitment lies." I said, "Oh." Are you asking me whether or not hockey is more important than Jesus? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> and boy, put that put that out there because that's exactly what he's asking. That's what he's asking. Yeah. And he said, "Oh, well, you know, I just need to know uh, where 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 your priorities are." And I said, "Kevin, here's the deal, bud. Yeah. If I can't teach my kids that Jesus is the most important thing in their life now, he sure won't be the most important thing in their life later." Mm. And so Jesus will always trump hockey, yeah. just so you know. Mm. But I'm Catholic. And there's church on Saturday nights yeah. and two or three times on Sundays. If I can't get to church on the weekend, that's not hockey's fault. Yeah. That's my priority's fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we managed to get to church wherever we were, whenever we were. And because as parents, honestly, if you think hockey is going to be the gospel that you want your kids to learn, they're going to be miserably underprepared for life. Absolutely. We have to find ways to connect them to Christ if you think Christ matters. How do you find um, both, uh, you know, a lot of these kids, uh, these young men yeah. are, are away from home. The, yeah. the vast majority are, are not at home. How do you have any communication with parents or with billet parents in terms of what what they expect from you as a chaplain or, or how the chaplaincy program works? Um, it's been one of those it's one of those things where I, I I went to the billet dinner this year, so it's the second year we had it. Um, so there's there's points where parents have reached out to me on Twitter. There's mm-hmm. points where um, you know I, I guess I. I connect with billet parents. Yeah, I guess connect with them on Twitter. There has been points where I've got to meet, got to meet them. And so I know some of the billet parents. Um, but it's one of those things where, again, I just try to be available with that. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, the team gets a, a, an email, you know, for a schedule each month. So I'm on there. Uh, in fact, it's one of those things where, uh, where one of the, uh, one of the chapel guys one day said, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, my, my, my billet mom knows you. Yeah. Apparently, uh, apparently you used to go to high school with her sister or something like that. I'm like, okay. So anyway, it's one of those <laughs> things. Where, <laughs> 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 I've changed. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was all good. It was, yeah, it's pretty funny, but, uh, but anyway, but it's one of those things where, you know, uh, I mean, they're aware that the team has a chaplain. Um, but yeah, I think again, it just comes to being more available. Um, I certainly don't want to ever come across as I'm pushing anything on anyone right, right. because the biggest thing thing for me is I know how I know what it's like to have something pushed on you especially Christianity and it's one of those things where it's 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 not pleasant and it doesn't make it more appealing for people it's one of those things that you know when we're pushing religion on people we're trying to push our worldview on them we're not trying to introduce them to the Holy Spirit let's face it right. it's one of those things that the whole we, we need to trust the whole you know be open about our faith but trust that the Holy Spirit will do his thing I so, love yeah. it. We get some, you know, the, every summer is the draft. It's always an exciting time if you have kids. Like we just finished the Canada Games here in Canada, which is like 15-year-old hockey players uh, playing the best in the country. And for this year, this is their draft year. Yeah. And some of those kids will be getting drafted to teams like Moncton that yeah. has or Halifax that have chaplaincy programs. Just a shout-out to Bill Parks, who's the chaplain at Moncton for with my son, works with my son. But um, what advice would you have to to families and, and kids who might be listening, who might be getting drafted to a team that does have a chaplaincy program, how would they connect? What would you say to them? My biggest thing that I always, and it's what I start the year off with the Moosets, give it a shot. If you don't like it, the worst thing you get is you get a free burrito out of it. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things. Um, give it a shot because the reality for, for parents, this is a hard thing for those kids. It's one of those things where they're away from, a lot of them are away from home for the first time. It's one of those things where, I mean, growing, you know, being 16 to 20 years old, as hard as it is, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you get the media on you. I mean, especially look at a, a city like Halifax where the moose heads are yeah. very central. It's one of those things that, I mean, it's, it, you know, the stuff that they grew, go through, I'd find hard as, as a guy who's, who's almost 40, right. you know, let alone when you're 15 years old and you're still dealing with those teenage insecurities and trying mm-hmm. to figure yourself out. Um, so I, I would say, you know, for the, for the, for the parents, you know, don't worry about, you know, don't, don't think that, you know, when it comes to chaplains, we, 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 uh, we vet them well. So it's one of those things that they're, they're going to yes. be available for your kids. They're not trying to push anything. They're there to love your kids. They're there as part of, you know, for me, I'm part of a support team. That's what I, I'm part of. Uh, I'm that spiritual support. Um, and for the, for the kids, I'd say just give, give, give chapel a shot. Um, and for parents, don't be afraid to, to reach out, you know, to, to, to reach out to, the to the team and to the team chaplain and just mm-hmm. say, you know, um, there was a point where I, I had a parent who just, you know, they added me on Twitter. I was at a game and they're basically like, can you go see my son? Cause he's going mm-hmm. through a hard time. 
and that mm. often happens. Yes, and it was, and I actually appreciated <clears throat> appreciated that forward attitude yeah. um, because so often it's the you know as a player I'm like you know I don't know if we've even had a conversation like he seems like a pretty mm. private guy and all, all right. of a sudden so um, so anyway so it's uh, it's it's yeah just don't be afraid to reach out um, you know if you you know you, these parents would have contacts within the team mm. you know if if you think a chaplain be, it would be a good thing and a good perspective. No, just, 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 yeah, just, uh, well, in fairness, just yeah, in fairness, some of these kids too, they do come from homes where they were going to church growing up. So it's Absolutely. not something that's completely yeah. foreign to them yet. They may have drifted and you, you know, for parents, it's a great way to reconnect. What about those chaplain or sorry, what about those owners and, and that, that have teams that don't have chaplaincy programs mm. yet? What would you say to them? Um, it's one of those things that we're seeing more and more people who wouldn't confess to be Christians are seeing, um, are, are seeing the benefit of a chapel program. Um, one of the guys who's been very open about it is a guy named Barry Trotz, who was a co- who was the coach for the Nashville Predators. Now he's with the New York Islanders. Um, but he, he talked at our HMI or all-star, uh, all-star breakfast there a few years back. Uh, and he was really just talking about Mike Fisher and he talked about how it's Mike Fisher's the sort of guy, you know, th- there seems to be this stereotype that as a Christian hockey player, you can't, you can't be gritty. Oh. And that's, it's funny. Which I find is, <laughs> and, and Tell that to him when he's punching you in the face. <laughs> well, that's it. Um, and it's funny because Barry, well, and this is one of those things Lord Boschman, that's part of his story, is that um, he basically was being criticized um, after after he became a Christian. He was being criticized for his play. They said he's gotten soft. And, or, you know, Harold Ballard, the owner at the time, basically said he's gotten soft and he's found religion. And we think that's a part. And, I mean, even went to, to went on to send him to a, a psychiatrist to make sure that he hadn't been brainwashed. Um, <laughs> and it's one of those things where, um, you know, one day I, I kind of approached Bobby Smith about that. And Bobby's like, Listen, Laurie Boschman was one of the hardest players I played with. Right. Turns out that the reason Laurie wasn't playing uh, full tilt at that time is that he had mononucleosis and a blood infection. Right. And so it's one of those things where... Um, but, Thinking uh, a psychiatrist not going to be able to help with that. No, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, but, but back to Barry Trotz, he kind of, you know, I love this this word that he, what he said about Mike Fisher and as far as that grittiness is he said, Mike Fisher's the sort of guy who would knock your block off on Saturday Saturday night and be praying for you Sunday morning. So it's one of those things where, you know, to me, that's uh, just, just such a good testimony to Mike who has probably been the most open Christian player in the NHL over the past, I'd say, 15 or 20 years. Well, I've seen more and more, you know, like I say, we originally connected through Twitter, and I actually think we connected through the hockey side first, maybe through the Mooseheads, and then then sort of connected that way. And I'm I'm actually seeing more and more, and part of it is because I'm following you and I'm seeing these things, but I'm seeing more and more articles from players and people coming out and actually talking about it and, and being more open about it. And I'm... I'm so excited to see players actually sharing like this is a huge part of my life. This is this is the identity that is going to be here when I am no longer wearing this jersey. Yeah. When I when I'm when I'm in my community, when I'm in my church and when I'm raising my children and and having people be able to see that as a as a positive experience. You know, it doesn't have to be you don't have to put your faith aside to go be a hockey player. Um, in fact, yeah. in fact, yeah. you probably should not, uh, because in those moments when, you know, like I say, I, I have not played beyond the high school level and, and provincial athletics level, yeah. but there were moments where they, they were hard. And at that time I wasn't religious. And that time I had, um, you know, coaches in my life that were very supportive, but I remember, uh, you were talking about after a loss. And uh, a moment that has always struck by me was a uh, we lost a provincial championship in my grade 12 year that we were very much supposed to win. Yeah. Uh, and, and supposed to. Everyone says, well, you're not supposed to. No, no, no. We, we were supposed yeah. to. And we, we lost. And, um, you know, you've got a bunch of 17-year-old kids crying. We're all turned around, head down, crying. Yeah. And we had a coach who uh, has passed away since, uh, who had has a pretty incredible life. And um, he walked over to every kid and just tilted their head up and was like, you can cry all you want, but there's no reason for you to look down. Mm. Um, mm. And, wow. and that's a hard thing for athletes to connect to is the idea of like, I can be upset. Um, you know, a, a couple of years ago, there was a world junior player who, the, I believe it was Sweden, they won the silver medal. When they gave him the medal, he tossed it into the crowd. Oh, yeah. And he got such, you know, a backlash for these things. And, you know, you have to understand, He's a kid Absolutely. who just lost what he probably considers to be the most important moment of his mm-hmm. life. Yep. And, and so if we can have something that they can lean back on where a kid who has that mm-hmm. moment goes, what do I have that's lifting me up? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, that's what that's what we can do with it. Absolutely. So as we wrap up, Andrew, thanks so much. It's been so fun to kind of open this up. You know, sport and faith is is something that's so important to us Absolutely. because we all love sport. Uh, is there anything that 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 you'd any closing message that you'd have for people that are listening? Um, I, I think the biggest thing for me is. Um, I think for athletes who would be listening, listen, don't build your, don't build your personality around your, your athletic achievements. You know, Jesus, you know, that's one of those things I really try to enforce with these guys is that your value isn't, isn't placed on, on the game. What it is placed on is the fact that Jesus died for you on the cross and he loves you and he has a plan for your life. Um, three or four years ago is one of those things kind of, you know, one of my first, first couple of years, I really pushed Jeremiah 29, 11 a lot. And I usually give the context of that. It's like mm-hmm. Jeremiah is telling this to these people as they're in a bad spot. Uh, as you know, as the, as Israel's basically been conquered, everything looks like, you know, they basically like we've ticked God off. He's abandoned us and, and God's coming back and saying, no, I haven't, mm. you know, I'm, I have a good plan for you. And it's a, it's a plan for hope. Uh, and so for me with players, um, it's easy to, you know, to me, it's one of those things. It's easy to be, you know, even for Christian athletes to be, you know, uh, praise God during those, those great moments. <laughs> I actually, uh, two, a uh, couple chapels ago, I talked about, you know, we, we kind of did something around the Super Bowl, and I talked about uh, the, the, the story of the Philadelphia Eagles and the fact that God was working in an amazing way in their locker room. Uh, and that actually didn't stand out to me as much as a player named Brandon Cooks who had played for the Patriots and had actually been knocked out in the first quarter um, by, a, by a headshot. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where, you know, he tweeted after the game, he said, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know what's going on, God, but I, but I trust in your plan, something to that effect. Mm. And it's one of those things that to me, when these guys, when they're down, when they're out and when, you know, when, uh, when it feels like, you know what, you know, oh my goodness, this is it. This is, I, I built my life around this, all, all around this. And, and now I'm a failure. It's like, no, you're not. God has a plan for your life. And this is part of it. Amen. Um, and so, yeah, just, just, just know that and walk with your, walk with your head high, knowing, walk with your head high and walk with confidence, knowing that God loves you and that he has a plan for your life. Love it. Thank you so much. If people wanted to get in touch with you, if they want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Twitter, uh, Andrew R, uh, Andrew capital R pepper. Uh, that's my, uh, that's my Twitter handle. Um, and email Andrew pepper nine at gmail.com. Um, feel free to reach out to me. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for inspiring us today and our listeners. I really appreciate your ministry. To, to your point, this is a post-secular culture. Let's not wait for people to come to us. Let's find ways to go to them. So I appreciate your Absolutely. courage and Amen. everything you do to be missional and to build our church. Uh, may God continue to bless you. Thank you for listening today. I hope this has been a blessing to you. If you or anyone you know is an athlete and plays sports, uh, Jesus uh, is a big part of their ongoing success and life after sports. God bless you and thank you.